0: Hello, and welcome to Warhammer 40K's Grim History from the Beyond. I'm Zekthar. And I'm Yuxen. We are the chroniclers of all that was, and all that will be in the 41st millennium. We've seen the rise and fall of many empires. And this week, we will be looking into the newest empire in the Milky Way
1: system, the Tau. That's right, Zektar. the space conf. Although fairly new, they are fairly advanced in technology, as well as having a strange concept of working with others as opposed to simply murdering those that don't look like them. This month, we will discuss the unusual beginnings of this race, their caste system, how they work with the rest of the races of 40k, as well as the oldie but goodie
0: notable characters. (laughs) Indeed, brother. I can't wait to talk about Commander Farsight. He's one of my favorites. But before we get started, if you enjoy our boxes of the history of the Milky Way system, feel free to subscribe, comment, follow, and like. And if you really like our stuff, please join our membership squad on our YouTube channel, Tales of Ash Rocker. With your support, we can continue to build and grow our voxes, as well as some cool extra stuff for you guys that join.
1: Now, if you're listening on Spotify, don't worry. You can help as well. If you click the support podcast button on any of the descriptions on Spotify, you can donate to our success too. Well, I think that about covers our intro, but tell me, Zekdar, what
0: are we going to talk about today? <clears throat> well, today we are going to discuss the main Xenos in the galaxy and how they work with the Tau Empire. Now, mind you, last week we briefly talked about how the Imperium of Man deals with the Tau, and we will get to that at the end of this box. But what I find more intriguing is how the other great peoples of the Milky Way system deal with them. That sounds
1: great. We should start with the Leagues of Votan because we already discussed this a little bit during our month talking about the diminutive clone people. But I figured we could go into a little more depth on how the Tau think of the Votan. That's an excellent idea, brother. Okay, so they really see them just as traders, pretty much, and merchants, because that's pretty much the only way that they've really interacted with them from what I've been able to find.
0: Right. Well, okay, so the two groups that I remember they've worked with anyways is the Demog and then uh what's the other federation? It's a uh, saren talk Mercantile League ah and if I recall right, a league is like an exploratory group anyways for a um no a clan or oh, what do they call them? It's been a while since we've done the Voton. Huh? <laughs> A League is a massive, giant collection. Right. No, no, no. Okay, so no, the Demurg are, are like an exploratory unit, right, of a different yes. League? Uh, what are they called? They are, I would assume, Seekers. Right. Not Delvers. Probably not delver. Delvers sounds like a miner. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> probably not them. But yeah, I mean, one of the reasons why the Tau have such great technological advancements is because instead of just trying to murder everybody they come in contact with, they're willing to actually trade with them. And that way, anyways, they've been able to kind of like leap forward drastically anyways with technology. I mean, like I was saying, anyways, they they picked up the ion technology from the voton. It
1: also helps that some of the different races are able to do things that they can't. Like we mentioned last week, crustacean-like creatures. Oh, yeah, they're, yeah. They're able to actually create these plasma reactors that the Tal
0: use. Or the simple fact, anyways, that the Tau can't really do anything with the Warp or the Immaterium. Now, we haven't really gotten into that a whole lot. And if I recall right, anyways, the Leagues of Votan don't do a whole lot with the, the Warp either. Although they can yeah. travel through the Warp, right? Their star fleets can? Yeah. So that's another thing that's kind of interesting because the Tau, they, they they cannot deal with the Warp. And while that's that's got a lot of positives to it, like, you know, none of that pesky demon possession or, you know, the 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 lords of chaos anyways trying to you know really take them over for their souls there are some disadvantages of that too like for instance like we've mentioned before anyways the Votan or even well actually i think pretty much all the other races other than oh i want to say the tyranids literally can warp travel yeah
1: well they have right? found a way to adjust to that but it isn't as fast i don't
0: think yeah it's i mean so yeah it's not like burn rocket fuel anyways we'll get to the next planet in like 800 years i mean they they figured out a way anyways to go a little bit faster but it's still not as fast as warp travel of course that also means it's also not as dangerous as warp travel
1: um, it's kind of like that uh Terran 42 movie space balls where it's just <laughs> they've gone to planet. normal hyperspace in comparison to Ludicrous speed. <laughs> Ludicrous speed,
0: yes. <laughs> Holy crap. It's spaceballs. They've gone to plaid. Yeah. <laughs> I feel my brain in my feet. <laughs> we got to slow down first. <laughs> anyways. <clears throat> now, now while they do, although I would say anyways, they do get fairly they, they do get along fairly well with the Voton, right? Yeah. I mean, they're they're, they're pretty Friendly either trading side has partners. Tried to kill
1: each other, so
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I've actually kind of looked into that too. I don't think that they've ever really, you know, come into you know, they haven't Go gone toe it. to toe at all. They they normally just kind of do trade deals. They're they're friendly trading partners, and while the the, the small folk uh, do get along with them fairly well, the next group, the ethereals, have decreed they will no longer tolerate these races and hold no diplomatic relations with them. That's right,
1: Zektar. That would be the races of the Orcs and the tyrannids.
0: <laughs> right. So last week, we kind of went in a little bit more with the Orcs. But, okay, so the funny part is the Tau have tried actually working with the Orcs. It just never works. I mean, they're kind of like, well, I don't know, probably probably the best way to describe them is the polar opposite of the Tau. would you think? I mean, I can
1: see them doing it if it's like... Because there have been cases where they're just like, we need an army fast, and so they'll just hire mercenaries. mercenaries yeah. doesn't matter who they are, just so long as they'll do the job. So I can right. see in that case them actually doing that, but that's just because they meet the numbers.
0: <laughs> yeah, I would agree with you, except for the Ethereals have actually decreed, we do not work with the Orcs. Huh. So, okay, maybe maybe the... Uh... The Farsight Enclaves. They might work with them a little bit, but they're, that's thats a whole other animal, and we will talk about that next week, actually, when we talk about Commander Farsight. But, yeah, they just... They do not gel well with the orcs at all. I mean, the orcs, anyways, are completely and utterly violent. The only thing they like doing is crumping things. The, tari- or the Tau, anyways, they, you know, enjoy... I, I guess here's the- a way the- that you could put it. Tau-like order yeah. and precision...
1: And orcs like. Meanwhile, kids. orcs it is <laughs> chaos and
0: destruction. So complete opposites. I, I, I also got to mention another thing here, real quick is is that the Tau also, anyways, they do tend to look a little bit. They're, they're like the Imperium man. They look down on the orcs because, like, ah, you inferior species, you know, kind of thing. Like. The funny part though is that they actually think they can beat the orcs. Which we've kind of talked about. Actually, could the Imperium actually defeat the orcs? And that's kind of one of those. Uh maybe. <laughs> probably not, <laughs> you know, if they all banded together. But, they, I mean, obviously, that's the problem with orcs. They they just don't do that. <laughs> if you could get one orc anyways to rule all the rest of the orcs, pretty much they could probably take over the entire gal- galaxy, I would think. I mean, yeah, it close. It would be close. But I think one of the reasons why they think they can beat the orcs is just simply because they're such a small empire. They just haven't seen... How many of them there actually are? <laughs> Just all say, Why is it that we keep
1: writing into them more often? Why?
0: <laughs> because the farther you get out, the more there are. Exactly. Now, the other one, anyways, I mean, nobody gets along with these guys. I don't think there's anybody that even tries at this point. And that's the Tyranids, right? Can, can well, you think kind of anybody they else? Don't
1: really, they're beasts.
0: Right. I mean, I mean, they're I more mean, intelligent they than that. They can be but...
1: extremely intelligent, but they are
0: basically beasts. They're a predator. <laughs> you, don't, you don't go into a bear cave anyways and go, "Um, excuse me, sir, Um, you have a few minutes anyways to trade caribou flanks? No, Oh, no, you're going to eat me instead. Great. it's <laughs> kind of the way it works with the Tyranids, too. And they have seen enough of the Tyranids, though. The Tau have seen enough of the tyrannids, anyways. They are quite scared of the Tyranids. I mean, don't get me wrong, they still fight them as hard as they can, but it's just like, every time they see Tyranids, they're just like, crap. I don't know what we're going to do about these guys. They, they, let me put it this way. They have no solution for the Tyranids.
1: Right. Of course, then again, yeah, I don't think anybody really they've tired, tried. Right. have not turned out very well, but that's going to have ourselves. We'll come back to it.
0: Right. Well, I mean, we've kind of mentioned a, a few of them, though. I mean, uh, when, What was it? Last week, anyways, when they actually ended up teaming up with the Imperium to take out High fleet gorgon, right. One of the big problems they had with that was is that the uh, what is a bio essence? I think that's what they call it for the, the tyranids They just started adapting anyways to the tau. So eventually, what happens is the tau keeps shooting with these ion rifles, and it's just not doing anything because they have adapted some sort of you know biophysical structure anyways to keep them from getting hurt, which is insane when you stop and think about it. But <clears throat> also just goes to show the ballistics are best. <laughs> get rid of those lasers and crap just go ahead and hurl as much lead as possible that works now honestly i, I do you have anything else anyways on these two species
1: no not in relation to the towel yeah i mean <laughs> you're like
0: i oh, you could talk about orcs for another hour no no, no. or <laughs> 10 yeah we already we already did that uxin we had a whole month not <laughs> enough <laughs> But those are the ones, anyways, that the Tau just straight up are just like we're we're not we're not even gonna try. But this yeah. next race, uh, the Tau haven't had a whole lot of contact with, and the few times they have come in contact with them, most of the time it's been pretty bad. But they have yet to decree them as excommunicado or whatever you want to call them. That and that would be the Necrons. Sorry,
1: as soon as you said that, I was thinking, yeah, like they'd call anything excommunicado.
0: Oh yeah, you know what I mean. Now, the Tau, uh, and I had to do some digging to find this out anyways, the Tau have actually come in contact with the Necrons. And while most of the time it does not go well for the Tau, I mean, let me state this first. Most of the time when anybody has any contact with any Necrons, anybody anyways, it normally doesn't go well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's normally the way it kind of works. It's just kind of like, yeah, <laughs> But there have been a few times anyways where it has actually worked. And normally, it's when they're actually fighting the Tyranids. Now, I've found, for instance, anyways, on the Tau Sep world of Unvos, it was almost overrun by a sudden onslaught of Tyranids. And they were actually rescued by the Necrons of the Atun dynasty. They showed up anyways with a bunch of, like, monoliths and annihilation barges, and they literally just, like, destroyed... <clears throat> they ended up working with the Tau and literally just pretty much destroyed all the Tyranids. And then, at the end of it, the Necrons, anyways, literally... Just all got up anyways, just to the confusion of the Tau. They didn't even stick around for the Tau to say, thank you. They just kind of were like, later, folks. They didn't even say later. It was just, and they were gone. Right. Now, after this happens, the next time anyways, the Tau meet Necrons was when High Fleet Gorgon attacked Kamias. And I am 41 at some point. And (laughs) unexpected Necron fleet. 902. No, thank you. Talking yes, like about uh,
1: the harvest of Kamias, right? Yeah, or Kakaias. Yeah. here, which we briefly <laughs> mentioned before in our notable
0: characters. Actually, They're you want to go ahead characters. and take the, the lead on that one? You did talk about it, but that was so, so long ago. Nobody probably remembers it. It was yet another case with uh,
1: Tyranids. In this case, it was uh, hive ships of High Fleet Gorgon. They're assaulting the Tau Colony and then. Unrakir, along with his Necrons, popped up and started and basically annihilated the Tyranids. And then he lands upon the planet and the teller is like, thank you so much. He's like, get off this planet. They just starts they start just
0: slaughtering them. <laughs> and on, capturing they pretty much them. kill all of them, don't they? <laughs> they either kill or capture. So it wasn't even a get off my planet. It's like, oh, you're on my planet. Therefore, the punishment is death. Yes,
1: because <laughs> his feelings are: is if you're on a tomb planet, you aren't
0: supposed to be there. <laughs> you're trespassing. Get me my shotgun. <laughs> exactly. Now, the only other time I really, like I said, it's a very, it's it's actually a rarity that the the Necrons have come in contact with the Tau. And one of the reasons, I mean, the obvious reason for that is is that most of the Necrons are still asleep. <laughs> is one, and two. The Tau Empire is really actually, I mean, comparatively to the rest of the Milky Way system, it's fairly small. I mean, this will probably be brought up quite often. They are fairly small. It's kind of like the difference between in Terran 42's United States and Great Britain. It's probably your size differences there. Asia versus Australia. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Now, I have found one other time, though, that they have come in contact with each other, and that's actually... Fairly recent, and that's the Tech dynasty. And they have launched a series of attacks against the western reaches of the Tau Empire. Crackfire cast contingents from the Tau are sent to repel the invaders. They are led by Commander Ovash, a protege of Commander Shadowson, who earned significant honors during the Third Sphere campaigns. Ovash adopted the tactics of his tutor, splitting his forces into hunting packs and tearing at the flanks of the Necron invasion fleet. Delaying its advance and buying precious time for the belingered empire to dispatch reinforcements. So at this point, the best way of describing this is that the Necrons are advancing from the SawTech Dynasty. Now, if you guys don't know who the SawTech Dynasty are, uh, that would be Emotech uh, and his boys. Kind of they're slowly marching into the Empire, and the Tau are trying to hold them back. It's it's not working very and well. For those who don't remember, who is Emotech? Emotech, the Storm Lord. Uh, He is considered the greatest tactician ever. It's the best way to describe him. (laughs) He's literally the greatest Necron warlord ever. And they actually, they woke him up too soon and the person that ended up waking him up was like, now I control you. And Emotech was like, no, no you don't. And then he killed him and then took over the Sautec dynasty. So, now he runs it. It's a really blunted down concept right. <laughs> of who Evil Tech is. And he has come in contact with the uh, Empire before. I've actually done, we we did on our notable Necron characters, we did talk about him a little bit more in length and then there's actually another one anyways that I did that was him anyways against an Eldar Farseer and I can't remember his name. But speaking of the Eldar, what about the Eldar and the Tau, brother? Or sorry, the eldar oh when it comes to the
1: eldari themselves there isn't much mainly what what does pop up is the wonderfulness that is uh well the dark eldar <laughs> no, well, no. the, the drukari i should say oh, not the drukari <laughs> obviously did horrible things to the tau the first time that they met them they basically it was like ooh the tau are the new kids in town we will trick them and get away with it. And they did fairly easily. Well yeah. The Tau were facing off once again against High Fleet Gorgon, because they can't escape it. Oh no wait. No no no. They just barely escaped it, and then they were attacked by High Fleet Kraken. Then for some miraculous reason, the human callus Urian Rackharth pops up. And contacts them and says, yeah, I'll help you out for a price. So they do. The first uh, I, time around, he asks for a cultural part, exchange. Yeah, I was, was going to say, pardon me, brother. Exchange,
0: I don't think they said for a price. I think they said a cultural exchange.
1: <laughs> which should... was uh, many of the Tau. And then they said they'd help out again. Once once again, they're attacked by the Tao. I mean by the Tyranid. And then this time around they, they helped again. And the Tau realized that the the new uh, warriors that they got, because the they even call us okay, I need to mention this first. Basically what they do is they, they take creatures and they basically create abominations out of them. Generally several put together and misshapen ways and yeah, very dark, gruel... Horrible.
0: Imagine uh, the and they're finding find out it. that these
1: uh, 77 Tau that they took, more than likely
0: were turned into them. Yeah. This cultural exchange. You're sitting there and you're like, ooh! Uh, thinking being a, like a diplomat or something. And as soon as you get in their ship, they're like, alright, now we're going to rip your arms off and attach <laughs> these different you arms will be on. joined by your buddy here. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, it's like... The Frankenstein monster meets the human centipede. They're, the they are terrible. They're, 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 I, I keep laughing about this, but no, they, they seriously are. They're like the worst. And so <laughs> the second time around,
1: they on,
0: I do have a question for you. If if you were to be captured, which would you rather be captured by? A Drukhari or a Chaos Lord? Ooh, that's a um, tough question, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> they're both pretty bad. But... Yeah
1: depends on the
0: situation. (laughs) Really? How so? (laughs) I mean, you're screwed either way, but... (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'd probably go with chaos. (laughs) Yeah. More than likely I would, too. There is that small glimmer of hope that maybe, just maybe, anyways, they turn you into a chaos space marine. Or they give you a gun and go, go, good luck, you know, or something like that. It's a very small percentage as opposed to the Dracari where it's just like no you're just dead and you're going to die a very horrific death no matter oh, what no, it's not you're dead it's we will torture you well, no you will die or, we're just going to keep you alive as long as possible God. um
1: <laughs> so anyways the, the sorry, new sorry. price is a cultural exchange of either 7 ethereals or 7,077 Regular Tau in their place. So obviously these already pissed off Tau are just like, okay, we need to come and take out their fleet. Uh, Retaliation for what they did um, to the prior people that were part of their cultural exchange. So they call from reinforcements from a nearby planet. They go out there and they find out that this massive fleet is actually a giant mirage illusion. And that unfortunately, the planet that they took all of the fleet from is actually attacked by the battle fleet that they thought they were about to attack. And so they lost basically the planet, and everybody on it was taken as slaves by the time they got back.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like he said, they're the new kids on the block, and the Dukari are just kind of like, hey, these guys look awesome. We should take all their stuff. <laughs> They're like they're worse. They're worse than a bully. They're like literally. They. <laughs> what's the term that the kids are using these days? Ah, oh, yes. They gaslighted them into oblivion, pretty much, and then took
1: their planet. Uh, not only that, but for some reason, Tau cannot identify between Trukari and Eldari. Which, I mean, just looking at their ships, you'd think that they would be able to tell.
0: Uh, but remember, remember Yuxen. They haven't met either of these people before. How do they know that they just don't that those are some weird ships that they happen to have, some sneaky ones, as opposed to these other ones? I yeah, I, I hear you. I'm I'm just saying in their defense, anyways, you've got two groups. I mean, literally the Dracari and the Eldari come from the same peoples. They're built the same way, right? They are drastically
1: different. Just the way that they act is drastically different. Okay, I, I completely I, I hear you there. You're designed drastically different. Well, any interaction of the human coli would would suggest that they would go, okay, yeah, these guys aren't the same because they don't exclude the experiments to their creatures. They generally also, you know, attach Work actual themselves the same way yeah. limbs
0: and stuff <clears throat> on themselves too. Uh, right. But no, I no. What I'm saying is, like, for instance, if you if 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 you stripped them down to their skivvies, anyways, and you had an Eldarian and an Eldar next to each other, anyways, they would look fairly similar. That's all i yes, But and you if really you haven't either of, Al them. took the time to go, hey, take off your clothes, you two strip. <laughs> now that's what I'm saying, anyways, in their defense, anyways, I could see why if you've never met these ra- this race before, they do look the same. So it's just kind of like. You know, I could well, say, I can see, the how, I could see how, why I mentioned why I can see how the ignorance is there. That's all I'm saying, Yuxin. Yeah. That's all. Well, the reason
1: why I mentioned that is because one well, of the few times that they're seen as actually attacking the Eldari is because they thought that the Eldari had attacked one of their planets.
0: Right. And they're like, we remember these guys. And they're just like, <laughs> you guys are the people who did it. We I mean, are the bungles that and took out our later, last planet.
1: Later, they're just like, oh, actually, you know what? We were wrong.
0: It was the Drakari. <laughs> Thanks for that. Yeah, well, you know, they did try to make it right. <laughs> but the Eldar, anyways. they saying,
1: we're sorry. We're like, bad. <laughs> oh Okay. Well,
0: okay. If I recall right, though, the Eldari though do disappear anyways before they can even come close to making reprimations. Just like our oh, bad, we're sorry about this, and the Eldari are like, you guys are idiots, and then they just got on their ships and left. But we were gonna give you some stuff. Zip. There they go. Oh, oh okay. Never mind. Really oh,
1: think that the Eldar would really trade? The Eldari would really trade with the Tau in general?
0: No. Well.
1: <laughs> okay, the El the Eldari are weird, Well, especially like for not, instance, not know, the Exodites, the uh, the Craft El, World Eldari, which is what these were.
0: These were a Craft World, Eldari. right? And what I'm saying, any, what I was about to say anyways, is the Craft Worlds. They're all, they're almost all like s- different organizations they are all floating in different on different planets. They all have different ways, anyways, that they kind of view what they do. And I, I would think yes. Generally, most of them, anyways, would look at the Tau. Well, first off, all the all the craft worlds they do all have one thing in common, anyways. They're incredibly egotistical. Exactly. They're like we're better than the everybody else. That can
1: see that they, they may sky. trade with would maybe be the Corsairs, Cor- so Rangers, because, maybe too. I
0: can um, see that.
1: Yeah, um, the Rangers, the Corsairs, maybe the Exodites. I was gonna maybe. say maybe the Harlequins, just simply because.
0: Well, well, the, the Harlequins, Harlequins
1: thinking. <laughs> would, have would be trading uh, for a particular reason. Who knows what it'd be? Like, well, sure. Well, I, and then the weapons will end up in somebody else's hands further down the road. Right. Because you know I, that they aren't using them.
0: I mean, yeah, like I said, the Harlequins anyways, it's is like, yeah, maybe they would. But then again, they are know. the enigma. Yeah, they are an enigma. Exactly. But like you were saying, anyways, with the craft worlds, I would think yes, the majority of them anyways would just look down their noses at the towel and be just like, no, we're like not sure. Else, you. you know, kind of thing. I mean, but then again, at the same time, you could have I I could see, you know, like a couple craft worlds, you know, like the ones that in particular, anyways, do a lot more dealings with like humanity. I could see them working a little bit more with the tau.
1: Yeah, that massive amount of what maybe <laughs> a dozen that actually <laughs> deal with
0: anybody. Like I, said, I, okay. I do not like to do not like to deal in absolutes. That is the way of the Sith. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So, I, Okay, I would agree with you that the majority of them wouldn't be willing to, you know, even talk to a Tau, let alone trade with them. But I bet there's a few that would. It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, like, okay, so okay, I gotta get back to, before we move on, anyways, I do gotta get back to the Necrons real quick. There is one Necron that I could think of anyways that would definitely trade with a Tao. And that would be Trazine the Infinite, just simply. Well, because he he'd would want probably it. just take what he wanted. <laughs> well, <laughs> probably wouldn't trade for it. Oh no! See, this is how I kind of see that situation going. So he gets it. So like the water cast shows up, anyways on his planet, or in, in the and his planet, anyway. Solomon's, right? Like, right? We're here to do trading from the Tau Empire. It's like trading are like, what? You know, it's like well, it's we've got all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. blah. And, and then the Necron overlord anyways, looks at him and goes, you know what? I actually need these three different artifacts. Do you think you could get them for me? Well, yes, sure. Why not? What are you going to give us in response? They kind of haggle over it and then the towel leave, right? And then when they come back anyways, or they say that they have it anyways, he shows up, he gets it, he pays them. And as he's leaving, they're like, he, well, he actually works out. All right. And then they turn around and they go, wait a minute. Where's the rest of our stuff? Yeah, Because while he's getting the stuff from them, he's also robbing them blind. <laughs> because it's, Or it would be Trisín. like, <laughs> he would be, in comparison to the Dark Eldar, he would actually take the Ethereal instead of asking for it. <laughs> or, or them, yeah. Well, he's probably already taken a few Ethereals, and they're probably in his museum at this point. But regardless... So we do have a little bit of more time before we do get to the humans, but in last week we did talk about some of the minor xenos that were in the uh, the Tau Empire, but like we said last week, there's a plethora of them. So I figured, Yuxin, you could kind of give a few descriptions on like another like three or four of them. You think we got time for that? Um, sure. Uh, we can start with the hmm.
1: Torellians, which actually um, <laughs> necessarily directly connected to the Tau so much as they used to be in the general area of the Tal, and they worked <laughs> with them as a mercenary race.
0: Yeah, the Imperium of Man really did a number on them, if I recall right. They did, but Ugh. first,
1: I-, I shall describe them a bit.
0: Okay. Um,
1: they are bipedal species that possess a narrow, waisted, and broad-shouldered bodies. They are often called dog soldiers because they stand so much shorter than humans. Uh, with long canine like faces and teeth, and also the fact that they communicate via growls, snarls, and barks also probably doesn't help the situation. They were actually originally part of the stellar empire known as the Terralian Civilization, which existed to the galactic north of the Ghoul Stars and coreward of the Kiltor sector. Now, according to Imperial Legends, mankind virus bombed the majority of <laughs> the Trillian civilization. Uh-huh. Uh, during the Great Crusade, the Emperor went, no, bomb it. <laughs> Bad Zenos, Viruses. Bad Zenos. Kill them all. <laughs> Obviously, this massive amount of destruction uh, has caused a grudge against humanity to the point where a human can't even go into the same establishment their trillions in to get to drink.
0: Uh, but doesn't it doesn't, it even gets worse for the trillions, doesn't oh, it? Oh, yes.
1: Unfortunately oh, no. for them, in 997.m41, uh, the trillion civilization was caught up in High Fleet Moloch's inexorable advance from the Galactic North after the Tyranids devoured the Kiltor sector. In other words, now. The Terellian civilization is basically no more whatsoever. In fact, pretty much the only surviving Terellians are probably the mercenaries that have been operating far out of the way.
0: Uh, So that's why they hang out, anyways, with the Tau, because those are the only ones that are left, right? (laughs) (laughs) Great. It's just geez, that is like the worst luck ever. (laughs) You run into first off the The emperor finds you. That that's bad enough, anyways. And then he proceeds to virus bomb all of your planets. <laughs> and then you you're making a good comeback after that because you know the whole Horus Heresy. So humanity leaves you alone for a while, and you're making strides to you know try to be you know another chip off the old block. And then the tyrannids show up and they wipe you out <laughs> completely. One of the interesting things is I
1: they define they see space rings different from humanity for some reason. Really? Because they, they've like worked with Alpha Legion <laughs> and they've they've worked with, of I course. believe, Huron. Oh, Lufthoron? Uh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, the oh, wait, ones wait, that wait. were there,
0: though, end up being slaughtered. Now hold hold the phone half a second. I've just, just finished the bedab war. Are you talking about Lufthoron or Horon Blackheart?
1: Uh, I want to say Huron Blackheart. Okay. Well, I mean
0: it's the same guy but Lufthoron was the Space Marine anyways that, you know, fought for humanity. And then after they kind of kicked the crap out of him, he became Huron Blackheart and now he's a Chaos Space Marine. So it's it seems like they don't they still don't work with the Imperium. <laughs> but, yeah. So maybe maybe uh, they smell different?
1: What uh, ended up happening is they ended up they're just like in the middle of pledging oaths actually to Huron Blackheart. And then something happens, so Huron had more pressing matters, and it's kind of like, you know, you're basically saying, you know what, yeah, you're giving your lives over to me, but just hold on a moment, and walk off. Obviously, somebody's going to be pissed off about that, and in their case, they became upset and attacked the Space Marines, and unfortunately, you know, Space Marines have armor <laughs> and bigger guns that probably didn't work uh, out too well
0: no <laughs> it's like back in the day Arnold Schwarzenegger ignored you and you punched him in the chest and said hey I'm talking to you that's uh, not going to end well chief <laughs> sorry oh, who's, who's next on the list
1: <laughs> okay next on the list are the uh, charpectin now, the charpectin are a xenos race of sentient fungoids who communicate entirely in bursts of ultraviolet light. Ah, the much people. Yes. <laughs> These strobing emanations prove surprisingly effective at subduing and transfixing living beings, rendering them docile and amenable. Uh, as such, the Tao have enlisted many to join the growing edification core, which is intended to maintain the loyalty of the Firecast to the Ethereal. Okay, so, really so I, to play it, you know, look into this light, you will
0: be calm now. <laughs> you look into the light. I, I just imagine these guys are like the mushrooms from Fantasia. <laughs> Remember those guys? No, they did okay. It was attached to the music of what was it? It was the Nutcracker. Okay, and it's these mushrooms and they kind of dance around and there's like these this swirling like dust that kind of comes off of them, and they dance together. It's fantastic. so it was obscure in the most bizarre way, but that's kind of what I picture them. These little mushroom people that kind of dance around and <laughs> they've got these the, you know, these spores that kind of shoot up these <laughs> these lights and probably great for raves. If the towel have raves, they just grab one of these guys, just start shaking them around <laughs> instead of glow sticks. <laughs> Actually, I don't know how big are these things.
1: <laughs> uh, I would say that they're they're short ish. <laughs> I was just thinking they're, they're probably fairly small. <laughs> one of the things that pops in my head though is like all of a sudden you go to a party and you see this mushroom lighting up in the corner, and he happens to be the disc jockey. <laughs> He's got the shades on, and weep, 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 weep. <laughs> head's lighting up with everything, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> unless you got anything else about these weird DJ mushroom fungoid people, do <laughs> we got next? Uh, next,
1: we have the Vorg. Now, the Vorg are massive bipedal race with long arms, natural bone plates across its body, and a head with the shape similar to that of a snake is one of the more underused uh, undervalued uh, races that the Tau use since uh, they're generally only given jobs for like hard labor things that are massive size that need to be moved from place A to place B you know kind of like the gorilla in all those cartoons with the hard hat you know you need to take this over there okay, <laughs> okay.
0: I got like the 20 logs whatever uh so they're snake-headed gorilla people?
1: No, no. I, I'm just giving that as a reference of kind of the uh,
0: sort of jobs that they would get. Are they hairy? Uh, no, not really. Okay, so they're more like okay. So they got like scales like a, like a snake
1: then? Uh, no, they're bone plates. It's more of they have more of a leathery
0: skin. Oh, so more like are. a um, like an ankylosaurus. Well, at least the yeah, kind of. You know, kind of like bone plates. Okay, I yeah. got. You. I gotcha. But
1: one of the things is that they are intelligent, which is most people don't really get because the way that their face is and they have to pronunciate things in the correct languages, it seems like they're very slow because of the time it takes for them to do it right. I'm probably sure that they hiss a lot, too. <laughs> Makes it hard to understand. No. <laughs> no with no, a word no. They have a very keen eye for craftsmanship, and despite being a relatively peaceful race, they actually have a odd de- desire and affinity to make intricate blades and gauntlets.
0: Hmm, they're in the wrong camp then. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just like, hmm. The town won't use any of that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know.
0: <laughs> uh, well, okay. Gauntlet? What? Why would we have gauntlets? Well, the blade, though, okay, so the blade, I think every single Firecast carries this ceremonial blade with them. So are these, like, so for the towel do they make these, like, ceremonial blades for them, or do they actually make, like, big hooking blades that could be used in war? They make blades that could actually be used in war. So what do they do with them? I mean, they're not giving them to the Tau. The Tau probably is just like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> just roll their well, eyes and walk off. <laughs>
1: decent sized, and, you know, they're, like, works of art.
0: Okay. Oh, okay.
1: Functional works of art. Okay. Well, maybe they so give Kind you of like dreams. instead of, you know, having a plain rapier, it'd be kind of like having the rapier in the Two movie um,
0: Princess, Princess Bride. Bride you know, with the ornate handle and the... Okay, I just got this middle image of this giant armored, you know, snake-like dude and <laughs> holding up this rapier going, Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Except for with a lisp, because you know he's a snake. <laughs> yeah. And then more than likely, the person would go, um,
1: "There's no way that I can fight you because uh, you're you quite know, large." <laughs> yes. To put it you you may want to note that it is very unwise to make one angry because just by their size and natural resilience alone they would be able to prevail over a super-heavy combat walker. Jeez. they're they're, on top of the fact that they probably will have a weapon on them. (laughs) Other than a beauty rapier. (laughs) A weapon on them that they'll actually be able to hold successfully. That means they'll
0: probably be much longer than anything that you will be wielding. (laughs) Well, more than likely, if they're going to give them a weapon, they'll probably give them what? Like a railgun? like a heavy rail gun, if they're that big and they can take on a super heavy combat locker, they're probably giving them a rail gun. Which yeah, in and they never bothered to think
1: about using them for that. Plus, like I said, they're, they're generally a peaceful group. Right.
0: Imagine trying to
1: fob that off and be like, no, you will become a warrior. It's like, we don't want to be a warrior. No, you will become a warrior. I said, you're not going to make me a warrior. You want to make it, <laughs> you want to make a deal out of this? Puny little punk okay <laughs> i'm like yeah. 10 times taller than you
0: you really want to make a big deal about this so okay so what you're saying though is that they actually they probably aren't even on the frontier worlds they probably work with the earth cast right more than anything else yeah
1: more than likely
0: in most cases
1: yes or Earthcast, they're in like,
0: maybe maybe the air cast just simply anyways for like moving stuff around on their ships
1: yeah i was about to say that yeah. Like okay. that, or like giant, like s- space stations where they would need to lift something into place so that somebody could right. screw right. it in or whatever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Look, I think we got time for one more. So, who's the last okay. one on our list? There, Eucan. The last one on the list are the small, highly intelligent worm-like
1: creatures known as Nagai. They hail from the world of Shagalog. Uh they are known. For having mind control abilities, and originally, were first discovered had a series of violent conflicts with the Tau when they were first discovered, and were despised significantly by them. But since then, have uh, agreed to a peace of cord, and have joined the Tau Empire, and
0: frequently serve as advisors to the Ethereal caste. So, do you think that they're actually mind controlling the Ethereals? Well, that could be
1: one way that you could look at, it and only could be looking at it is the ethereals are using them.
0: Yeah, I could see it working both ways. Well, no, just the concept, anyways, that they were initially despised by the Tau, and then all of a sudden they're like, "Hey, we're cool with them." Hmm, <laughs> something sounds fishy. Just, just the fact, by the way, that the Tau Empire fought a worm people, just to me, anyways, is amusing in and of itself. Because they're not like giant worms. I mean, they're like you know little little guys. Yeah. It's like unfortunately on that planet there was a lot of big creatures
1: they're able to control. Something, yeah. That that fought close combat. So as we know, <laughs> <laughs> Tao <not> had a problem. <laughs> there is no wonder why they would be
0: despised. <laughs> I could. I just also have this amusing thought, anyways, of a Nagai, anyways, trying to. Um, Mind control, Space Marine, and how well that would work. Or an orc <laughs> it just wouldn't work. The orc, I could see the orc actually. Orcs are,
1: but orcs are kind of susceptible to that, way. but
0: for like, a time. But
1: very briefly, uh, until he did one thing wrong, and then he probably would have died.
0: Eh, about maybe. ten other orcs. Yeah. Well. Anyways, we do have to get into the last thing, anyways, that we're going to talk about, and that would be humanity. Now, the history between the town and humanity is only a couple hundred years old, yet it's a fairly bloody struggle, starting with simple trades from the frontier planets that eventually got the Imperial High Command's attention, With dealing with the Xenos is obviously heresy. Now, we kind of went into this briefly last week, the uh, Democles Crusade, but we're going to go into it a little bit more depth this week anyways, and then I'm going to ask you a few questions if you don't mind, Uxen, that we can kind of go over, but... Since, anyways, the High Command, anyways, had a problem with this, uh, the Imperium mustered a crusade that contained a dozen capital starships of the Imperial Navy, five provisional companies of space marines, made up of a contingent supply by almost a dozen different chapters and 19 regiments of austro seven of them from Brimlock. Heading into Tau space, they ambushed the merchants and exterminated dozens of Tau worlds until the Empire could react. Tau, surprised by this shocking display of betrayal, took more time and they would have liked to muster their fleets to defend their frontier. But when they did, they successfully pushed the Imperium of Man out of Tau Galactic space. I don't think that's how it went down, Zektar. Uh, you are quite right, brother. But this is how a Tau historian would tell you. Yeah, you know, The truth of the matter is a little bit more complicated. In fact, if you talk to an imperial historian, they would tell you the insidious Tao purposely aligned themselves with nearby dissident human factions, and over the course of several solo decades of patient negotiations, insinuated themselves into the courts of several dozen imperial commanders, aka also known as the uh, Planetary Governors. The influence of the Tao thus spread further and more rapidly into the Imperium than any amount of military conquests could have taken it, until a swath of human worlds, were trading with the Tau Empire in preference to the Imperium's own merchant trade cartels and rogue traders. Alien goods and technologies flowed through the markets of these borders, worlds in blatant contradiction of the laws of the Imperium. The second phase of the Ethereal's instructions were thus ready to be initiated. Upon a score of Imperial worlds, Watercast Invoice whispered long-rehearsed words into willing ears. The seeds of rebellion had long been cultivated by the Tau, had now bore treacherous fruit, as each imperial governor declared themselves free of the shackles of the Imperium's rule. In the ensuing power vacuum, the Tau Empire expanded, claiming for themselves those human worlds that later came to be known as the Farsight Enclaves. The Imperium's response was unusually swift, but characteristically brutal. War was declared and the Democles Gulf Crusade was launched by the Ultima Segmentum Command involving units of the Austria Militarum, the Imperial Navy, and several chapters of Space Marines. Within a short period of time, the Tau's influence was pushed back across the Democles Gulf. In time, the momentum of the Imperium's armies was spent and more pressing concerns, such as the first Tyrannid invasion of the galaxy, called for their more immediate deployment. An uneasy peace ultimately descended across the war-torn border sectors of the Imperium and the Tau Empire. The Imperium had demonstrated but the smallest fraction of its size and power, yet the Tau had gained invaluable insight into its methods, strategies, and tactics. More importantly, the Tau had learned that those humans who were disenfranchised or rejected the Imperium could be manipulated. Surely the Tau ethereal's reasoned. No matter its size, no power so given to devouring its own people, could ultimately stand before the manifest destiny of the Tao to expand the greater good across the galaxy. Right. That seems more in line
1: with what I have
0: read. But, is it accurate? That's that's actually the interesting part. They both are actually fairly accurate, but as you can see, both sides claim themselves as the victors, as well as being set upon unfairly. Now, as we discussed last week, the Tao normally offer trade and diplomacy before going to war. And when they met up with the Imperium Man, they hadn't changed their tactics. Now, I do believe the Tao are ignorant in their youth, yet they're not idiots. After years of trading and diplomatic negotiations with the frontier worlds of the Imperium, they came to discover just how large the Imperium Man actually was, that they probably still didn't understand. The reason I say this is because they have never met anything so large in their young history. Still, they proceeded with caution and worked their tried and true usurping worlds one at a time through friendship and wealth. This got back to the Administratum, and they obviously had a problem with this, and instead of sending their own diplomats, they sent a crusade instead. Now, the crusade first reasserted imperial rule in the rebellious Garrus and Kleist colonies. Individuals implicated in dealing with the Tau were seized and punished at a special assize held before the furious crusaders. The imperial colonies secured the Crusade forces moved on and engaged the Tau for the first time on their own territory in the uninhabited Hydes system. As they moved into Tau space, the Tau began a fighting retreat, surprising the Imperium and how well they waged war. As the Imperium moved further into the Tau Empire, losing more and more forces. At this point, two things became clear. One, with the forces they brought, the Imperium had bitten off way more than they could chew. And two, They would have been fine if they had gotten reinforcements, yet none came. Now, this was for a couple of reasons. One, the Imperium was and has always been, since the Great Scouring, more importantly the death of Rebuti Gilliman, always been stretched thin, only being able to hold their edges and send a crusade or two to punch back those that interlope into their quadrants of space. The second thing we mentioned before, the tyrant fleet Behemoth had begun its run on the eastern sector of the Ultra-Magnar sector, and that was something the Imperium couldn't ignore. Not knowing this, the Democles Crusade pushed further into Tau space until they reached a planet that the Tau were not willing to lose, the Sep world of Delth. After a five-month-long journey across the Democles Gulf, the Imperial Crusade fleet arrived at the Delth system within the Kendral subsector. The outmost planet in the system, Prien, was protected by a Tau orbital space station and was clearly intended to provide the first line of a layered system defense. The fleet's approach proved too casual, as the Imperials assumed the station to be no more dangerous than the Tau station already encountered in the Hydas system. It proved to be much more formidable, mounting an array of heavy railguns, whose first volley crippled the honor of Dumras. The Imperial fleet broke formation just as 11 Tau starships emerged from behind the bulk of the in the Imperial fleet escorts attacked the orbital station while the main battle fleet swung towards the Tau vessels. The Tau's fleet concentrated its torpedo salvos against the regent Lakshambai, a Dauntless-class light cruiser, which resisted historically until a Tau shot caused a massive bulkhead collapse, which then triggered a plasma-drive overload, destroying the vessel with all hands aboard. Arriving piecemeal, the Imperial starships gradually won the advantage although the Tau continued to fight despite taking a terrible pounding. The Imperial escorts suffered heavy losses fighting the Tau orbital station. As soon as they were closely engaged, though, the last piece of the Tau trap was sprung. Appearing seemingly out of nowhere after suddenly powering up their main systems, a Krut Horosphere headed directly for the Imperial troop transports. The transport flotilla had no choice but to scatter. The huge Krut Hulk was slow and its weapons were short-ranged but its sheer size seemed certain to eradicate the Crusade's ground forces. Salvation came in the form of Admiral Jaloc's flagship, the Blade of Woe, a retribution-class battleship. Leaving the rest of the Imperial fleet to finish off the Tau warships, the Admiral had turned his vessel about, planning to help the escorts when the Krupp warsphere arrived. Accelerating to maximum power, the great starship overtook the lumbering warsphere and turned across its path. From the first exchange of weapons, it was clear that the Blade of Woe carried the greater weight of fire, and its lances, Salvos, quickly ripped the warsphere to metallic shreds. Yet the Crusade fleet had won only a pyric victory. Although the warsphere, Tau fleet, and the orbital station were destroyed, it was at the cost of four Imperial capital ships and 14 escorts. The Tau ambush had come very close to succeeding and brought a new respect for the Tau's combatants to the Imperial fleet. Now, at this point, the stable-minded of the command council advocated turning back. They had lost too much to continue their now-pointless crusade. Yet the stubborn eventually won over the intelligent because of one simple fact. An assault against a major Tau world proved just too tempting. Deliath Prime was protected by three Tau orbital stations, and following the recent combat, these were approached much more cautiously. None proved to be as heavily defended as Prien, however, and were destroyed by an imperial fleet. Now, after this, anyways, they you know they they do they they land planet planetfall anyways with a bunch of like titans and space marines and and the imperial guard, and they don't get anywhere. They just they they keep trying to advance, and just, there's just too much um, heavy resistance for them to do anything. It's the best way of describing it. But with their advance halted, the Imperial forces commanded in this operation by General Wendell Gage of the Austromilitarum had to dig in to avoid the worst of the Tau firepower. The Tau possessed superior night fighting capabilities, which they exploited, moving up to extreme range and opening fire only to withdraw at dawn. Space Marine combat patrols with their genetically enhanced senses helped to stem this problem, but the Imperial losses continued to mount. This was compounded by the constant worry of the Crusade's officers that a new Tau fleet would arrive soon. And the Crusade fleet was badly damaged and could barely protect its troops' transports, let alone provide air cover for the ground forces at Delith. As the siege wore on, more Tau arrived at the front from elsewhere on the world each local day. General Gage concluded that the Crusade had stumbled onto a major Tau population center, with their empire and his resources were insufficient for the task before him. Plentiful reinforcements had been promised at the outset of the crusade, but none had arrived. Inquisitor Grand of the Zenos was all for evacuation of the world, followed by an exterminatus order, as the Tau were clearly too dangerous a species to be allowed to continue to exist. Yet the Imperials had found the Tau to be an honorable adversary, and there was a marked opposition to such an extreme course of action within the crusade's high command, especially from the Astartes. Really? Well, part of this is true. The Astartes had a huge problem with this. I don't think necessarily that they thought it dishonorable. More along the lines that they still thought that they could win on the ground. And an exterminatus seemed cheap. So, <laughs> so sweet. You it probably. then? Uh, yeah. <laughs> lean more towards that. But yeah. The other part of this equation was any day now a new Tau War fleet would be arriving. And being stuck in an orbital bombardment by your entire fleet... Usually leaves you pretty open from behind. Regardless, while the, the Crusades Council of War was paralyzed by this internal debate, General Gage acted. So what he does is he pretty much reorganizes his troops, and he ends up marching into this one particular city, which really doesn't have a whole lot of tactical advantage except for it does have a starport. And the reason why he did this was because he wants off the planet. So he gets to the point anyways where he's on there. He's called his people down. He's like, okay, we're done with this. I'm done. They all kind of agree. And one of the reasons also why they do this is because in 745.m41, the Inquisitor, Fitus Crippman actually had sent them a Vox anyway, saying you need to return to Brimlock as quickly as possible. And the reason why for that is, is like we mentioned before, anyways, the the Tyranids had shown up. Now, the Tau on their side of the field, anyways, instead of just trying to, you know, like kill them all as they're leaving, figured that that probably wouldn't Wouldn't it be a good way of doing things? I mean, they'd already they had actually suffered quite a bit. So, like I said, last week, anyways, they kind of get into a parley. They say, "Okay, you guys can leave our system, but we're going to take all of our stuff back pretty much that you guys, you know, burned and murdered through. And begrudgingly, the Imperium's like, fine, I guess you can do that. And They leave. Now, since then, though, the Tau have been both a small thorn on the Imperium's side or a small boon to their more hated enemies, especially the Tyranids. At this point, the Tau are the most perplexing to the Imperium of Man, and they honestly, honestly, the Imperium of Man has no idea what to do with these guys. (laughs) Really? Yes, in my opinion. But I'd like to know what you think, brother. So I have a few questions that I figured we could debate, like I mentioned before. Like what? Well, let's start with the first and most obvious. Can the Imperium of Man actually purge the Tao Empire from existence?
1: In my opinion, no. They're, it's too widespread. They just don't have the resources. Well, They're already struggling enough trying to
0: keep what they have. <laughs> That's true. I, I mean, they, obvi- I, they obviously have the resources. But like you said, anyways, most of those resources are tied up all around the Empire. Or the Imperium.
1: Which means they don't have the resources necessary to actually use on it. Right. It's Available resources, I should say.
0: Yeah, available resources. I mean, if they ha- if there was a miracle anyways, and all the enemies of the Imperium other than the Tau went poof, and then <laughs> they all disappeared anyways, then yes. I mean, it wouldn't even... would well, no, wouldn't... then they'd
1: still be screwed because they'd have to deal with all of the inner conflict.
0: Okay, but anyways, <laughs> even if it was just the inner conflict, anyways, yes, the Imperium Man could steamroll the Tau Empire out of existence, even with all the bickering, anyways, that humans do with each other, anyways. If it was just the humans bickering with each other, they could still steamroll the Tau, in my opinion. But I okay. mean, like everything else would literally have to just go poof and be gone for that time. <laughs> right. And that, and that's not gonna happen. <laughs> so, yeah, and I kind of agree with you that it's not a matter of, do they have enough stuff? It's the stuff they can use. Right. More than anything else. Well, okay. So I guess here, this kind of leads into my next question anyways, but okay. First off, why would other than, you know, purge the Xenos, why would, why would the, what would the Imperium benefit anyways of exterminating the Tao? And does it honestly make more sense to actually work with them at this point?
1: Really? I don't see any particular benefit with attacking, maybe with trying to hold what they have, but not necessarily what they're attacking. Now, when it comes to does it make more sense to work with them? Yes and no. Okay. No, because it'd go against their religion.
0: Right. Which, like I said, other than the fact of
1: much the <laughs> they could cause much more problems than would benefit working with them. On the other hand, using them as a buffer
0: against other forces can be very beneficial. Right. And I, I did kind of mention this last week anyways, where Bute Gilman is kind of moving the Empire in a different direction. Now, he hasn't explicitly gone, yeah, Xenos are our friends. Um, he, he has been known to work with them a time or two, mainly the Eldar. I mean, I can't think of any other ones that he's worked with, but the Eldar. Yeah. <laughs> the Eldar. It's a, he works with Eldar. That's one out of how many races? Uh, about eight. Yeah. But, but, you know, it's the step in the right direction. We've also kind of mentioned anyways that he is kind of trying to get rid of the Imperial cult. He's just trying to have to figure out how to do that. But <laughs> <laughs> if he does start making these changes anyways, what would, I mean, would an alliance actually make sense?
1: If he is able to make those changes, it would be hard to tell at this point. Like I, I said, one of the benefits of having an alliance with the Tau would be they could use them as a buffer against forces they're heading in the Tau space area. Like Tyranids. It seems to be always yeah. the Tyranids come from the east. Always seems to be tyranids, yes. <laughs> yeah. I, or orcs, who
0: knows? Orcs too. Yeah. I'm just to me, anyways, it would be it it would make sense to have like an ally, anyways, in that area as a buffer, like you were saying. But At the same time, anyways, we've also talked about how the Tau anyways are an expanding empire. So what would they even gain out of it? What would the Tau gain out of it? I mean, like we said, we can kind of see anyways how it would be kind of a benefit for the empire. Now, the other question about that is, is, as well, anyways, is it really worth the hassle? And I think you kind of answered that anyways with right now, anyways, the way everything's set up. No, it's definitely not worth the hassle. You just have way too much pushback anyways it looks like for instance the high lords of terra and they're already having problems with reboots dealing with eldar (laughs) so it's one of those just kind of like yeah it's it's not worth it guys sorry go back to your little eastern quadrant (laughs) we'll we'll contact you (laughs) you know but i just right now anyways it doesn't make any sense for that but what would if if they did you know there's Raboudi's just like, screw it. Let's just go ahead and make an alliance with these guys anyways. What would the Tau actually get out of this? Um, Decent trade partners, for one thing. Right. But where would they even expand? Into alien space. (laughs) It's like into the Empire? (laughs) Nope. Can't do that anymore. That would be another actually benefit anyways for the Imperium of Man. This is like, okay, well, one of the things you can't do is take any more of our planets. So, yeah, I don't know. To me, anyways, it doesn't make sense. Like we said, anyways, it doesn't make any sense for the Imperium Man to do it right now. But it also really doesn't make a whole lot of sense, anyways, for the Tau. I mean, it's just like, congrats, congratulations, you've got your own little place here. You can do whatever you want. But if you're wanting to expand and grow, anyways, you're just, like, literally siphoning that off. I right? Mean, I suppose they could kind of start trickling around to the north so they could take over the Gray Rift. <laughs> Because that would go over so well, I don't know. To me, anyways, it's, it's just kind of interesting how they they they're gonna ha- and they're gonna have to and eventually end up dealing with each other, and more likely than not, because you're talking about the Imperium. man, this really is it, this is going to be how do we exterminate the tau, right? Yeah, I mean, it's not going to be well. We should send dimple bats. It's like no, no, it's just <laughs> how do we kill the blue guys? And how long is it going to take? <laughs> and what resources are we going to need? Now, mind you, anyways, that is very low down on the list right now. I mean, Abaddon's still doing his thing, along with the guy we were just talking about, Huron Blackheart. And then on top of that, anyways, you've got what's his face? The, the orc, the great green prophet. Well, he's doing orcs
1: in general.
0: <laughs> he's doing his whole thing, you know. And then on top of that, anyways, you've got chaos just streaming out of the Great Rift. The Great Rift right now, anyways, is probably the biggest problem with the Imperium. Yeah. But I just thought it was kind of interesting, food for thought. It's one of the few times that we actually get to talk about, you know, like alliances and you know, strategic stuff, other than kill them all. <laughs> well, do you got anything else? Still, one
1: of the major thought processes,
0: kill, kill them all. <laughs> well, do you got anything else, anyways, on humanity and how you think, anyways, they deal with the tower or any of those kind of concepts? No. Fair enough. Well, folks, I believe we've run out of time this week. Uh, Join us next week as we cover the best of the best. That's right! There's notable characters. Can't wait, Zekthar. But if
1: you enjoyed this fox, feel free to subscribe, comment, follow, and like. And if you really like our stuff, please join our membership squad on our YouTube channel, Tales of Ashiraka.
0: Indeed. But before we go, we do have some exciting news about the shop. It is officially up and running with all sorts of wonderful shirts and hats, and even some stuffed animals. Just click on the link below our Vox and tool over to the store and check it out. In fact, right now, I think we have a sale going on. Ooh, really? Yes, Thursday, we're going to be starting a sale where you can get 20% off on any of the merchandise, and it's going to be going until Sunday, the 22nd, so the 18th through the 22nd. It's a Monday, actually. Forget the Sunday. It's a Monday. (laughs) So, it's the 18th through the 22nd, 20% off on all of our cool stuff.
1: Righto. But, if you're listening on Spotify, don't worry. I'll make sure the link is in the description so you can check it out for yourself.
0: Yes. And thanks for listening. And as always. Until next time, this is Ekthar. And Youkson. Signing off.